The Revelation of Jesus Christ Introduction Praise must fill our hearts when we read the words of this prophecy and remember the grace which has saved us from all which is coming upon this age. Another blessing is the assurance of ultimate victory and glory. Arno C. Gebeline 1. Unique Place in the Canon The uniqueness of the last book of the Bible is apparent in the very first word Revelation, or in the original, Apocalypsis. This word, meaning unveiling, is the origin of our word apocalyptic, a type of writing found in Daniel, Ezekiel, and Zechariah in the OT, but only here in the New. It refers to the prophetic visions of the future that use symbols, figures, and other literary devices. Not only does Revelation look forward to the future consummation of all things and the eventual triumph of God and the Lamb, but it also ties up the loose ends of the first 65 books of the Bible. In fact, that is how the book can best be understood, by knowing the whole Bible. The characters, symbols, events, numbers, colors, and so forth, are nearly all previously encountered in the Word of God. Some have appropriately called the book the Grand Central Station of the Bible because it is here that the trains come in. What trains? The trains of thought begun in Genesis and the following books, such as the concepts of the Scarlet Line of Redemption, the Nation of Israel, the Gentile Nations, the Church, Satan the Adversary of God's People, the Antichrist, and many more. The Apocalypse, since the 4th century often erroneously labeled the Revelation of St. John the Divine, but really the Revelation of Jesus Christ, 1 verse 1, is the necessary culmination of the Bible. It tells us how everything is going to come out. Even a casual reading should be a stern warning to unbelievers to repent and an encouragement to God's people to persevere. 2. Authorship The book itself tells us the author is John, 1 verses 1, 4, 9, 22 verse 8, writing at the command of his Lord, Jesus Christ. Ancient, strong, and widespread external evidence supports the view that the John meant is the Apostle John, the son of Zebedee, who labored for many years in Ephesus, in Asia Minor where all seven churches addressed in chapters 2 and 3 were located. He was exiled by Domitian to Patmos, where he wrote the visions he was granted by our Lord. Later he returned to Ephesus, where he died at a ripe old age. Justin Martyr, Irenos, Tertullian, Hippolytus, Clement of Alexandria, and Origen all ascribe the book to John. More recently a book called The Apocryphon of John, about AD 150, was found in Egypt that specifically attributes revelation to John the brother of James. The first opposition to the apostolic authorship was by Dionysius of Alexandria, but he didn't want it to be by John since he opposed the doctrine of the millennium, Revelation 20. His vague and vacillating references first to John Mark and then to John the Presbyter as possible authors cannot counterbalance such strong testimony, although many modern scholars of the more liberal persuasion also reject John the Apostle as author. There is no evidence in church history of such an individual as John the Presbyter, elder, other than the author of 2nd and 3rd John. These two letters are in the same style as 1st John and also fit in well with John's gospel in simplicity and vocabulary. While the external evidence cited above is so strong, the internal evidence is not as clear. The vocabulary, rather rough Semitic Greek style, even containing a few expressions grammarians would call solecisms, and also the word order, convince many that the same person who wrote the Apocalypse could not have written the Gospel. However, these differences can be explained and are not without counterbalancing similarities between the two books. 
Some, for example, accept an early date in the 50s or 60s for the Revelation, under Claudius or Nero's reign, with the idea that John wrote his gospel much later in the 90s when he had improved his mastery of Greek. However, this is not a necessary solution. It is quite possible that John had an amanuensis for his gospel, and was strictly alone in his exile on Patmos. The doctrine of inspiration is not affected either way, since God uses the individual style of the writer, not a generalized style for all Bible books. The general themes of light and darkness are found in both the Gospel of John and Revelation. Such words as Lamb, Overcome, Word, True, Living Waters, and others tend to tie the two works together. Also, both John 19 verse 37 and Revelation 1 verse 7 quote Zechariah 12 verse 10, yet do not use the word for pierced found in the Septuagint, but another word translated pierced. A further reason for the differences in vocabulary and style in the Gospel and Revelation is the very different type of literature they represent. In addition, the great multitude of Hebraic phraseology in Revelation comes from drawing so widely upon the whole OT. In conclusion, the traditional view that the Apostle John, the son of Zebedee and brother of James, wrote the Revelation has a firm historical foundation, and the problems can be explained without rejecting that authorship. 3. Date An early date for Revelation is preferred by some, either in the 50s or late 60s. As was noted, this is partly to explain the less developed style of Revelation. Also, some believe that 666, 13 verse 18, was a prediction of Nero, too who some believed would come back from the dead. This would suggest an early date. The fact that this did not happen did not affect the acceptance of the book. Perhaps this suggests that it was written much later than Nero's time. Church fathers specifically indicate the latter part of Domitian's reign, about 96, as the time John was on Patmos receiving the revelation. Since this is an early, informed, and widespread view among Orthodox Christians, there is every reason to accept it. 4. Themes and Scope A simple key to the understanding of the book of Revelation is to realize that it is divided into three main parts. Chapter 1 describes a vision in which John saw Christ robed as a judge and standing in the midst of the seven churches. Chapters 2 and 3 have to do with the church age in which we now live. The remaining 19 chapters have to do with future events following the close of the church age. We may divide the book as follows. 1. The things which John saw, that is, the vision of Christ as judge of the churches. 2. The things which are, an outline of the church period from the death of the apostles to the time when Christ will take his saints to heaven, chapters 2 and 3. 3. The things which will take place after this, an outline of future events from the rapture of the saints to the eternal state, chapters 4-22. An easy way to remember the contents of this third section of the book is as follows. A chapters 4-19 through 19 describe the tribulation, a period of at least seven years during which God will judge the unbelieving nation of Israel and unbelieving Gentiles as well. These judgments are described under the figures of 1. Seven seals 2. Seven trumpets 3. Seven Bulls. B. Chapters 20-22 deal with Christ's second coming, His kingdom on earth, the judgment of the great white throne, and the eternal state. In the tribulation period, the seventh seal contains the seven trumpets. Also the seventh trumpet contains the seven bowl judgments. Thus the tribulation period might be diagrammed as follows. Seals. 
1234567 trumpets 1234567 bowls 1234567 the parentheses in the book the above diagram gives the main line of thought through the book of revelation However, as the narrative proceeds, there are frequent interruptions to introduce the reader to various great personalities and events of the tribulation period. Some writers call these parentheses or insets. Some of the principal parentheses are 1. The 144,000 sealed Jewish saints, 7 verses 1 to 8. 2. Gentile believers of this period, 7 verses 9 to 17. 3. The Mighty Angel with the Little Scroll, Chapter 10. 4. The Two Witnesses, 11 verse 3 to 12. 5. Israel and the Dragon, Chapter 12. 6. The Two Beasts, Chapter 13. 7. The 144,000 with Christ on Mount Zion, 14 verses 1 to 5. 8. The Angel with the Everlasting Gospel, 14 verses 6, 7. 9. Preliminary Announcement of Babylon's Fall, 14 verse 8. 10. Warning to Worshippers of the Beast, 14 verses 9 to 12. 11. The Harvest and the Vintage, 14 verses 14 to 20. 12. The Destruction of Babylon, 17 verse 1 to 19 verse 3. The Symbols in the Book Much of the language of Revelation is symbolic. Numbers, colors, minerals, jewels, beasts, stars, and lampstands are all used to represent persons, things, or truths. Fortunately some of these symbols are clearly explained in the book itself. For instance, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, 1 verse 20, the great dragon is the devil, or Satan, 12 verse 9. Clues to the meaning of other symbols are found in other parts of the Bible. The four living creatures, for verse 6, are almost identical with the four living creatures of Ezekiel 1 verses 5 to 14. In Ezekiel 10 verse 20 they are identified as cherubim. The leopard, bear, and lion, 13 verse 2, remind us of Daniel 7 where these wild animals refer to the world empires of Greece, Persia, and Babylon, respectively. Other symbols do not seem to be clearly explained in the scriptures, and we must be extremely careful in seeking to interpret them. The Scope of the Book in studying Revelation, as in all Bible study, we must constantly keep in mind the distinction between the Church and Israel. The Church is a heavenly people, blessed with spiritual blessings, and called to share Christ's glory as His bride. Israel is God's ancient, earthly people to whom God promised the land of Israel and a literal earthly kingdom under the rule of the Messiah. The true Church is mentioned in the first three chapters, but is not seen again until the marriage supper of the Lamb in chapter 19 verses 6 to 10. The tribulation period, for verse 1 to 19 verse 5, is primarily Jewish in character. Before closing this introduction, it is only fair to say that not all Christians interpret the book of Revelation in the manner outlined above. Some think that the book was entirely fulfilled in the early history of the church. Others teach that Revelation presents a continuous picture of the church age from John's day to the end. For all children of God, the book teaches the folly of living for things that will shortly pass away. It spurs us to witness to the perishing, and encourages us to wait with patience for the Lord's return. For the unbeliever, the book is a solemn warning of the terrible doom that awaits all who reject the Savior.